This is episode 191 of the Beyond the Food Show. And today it's all about self-confidence. And yes, at any size, sisters, with Master Confidence Coach Kara Lowenthal from the podcast Unfuck Your Brain. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Going to Beyond the Food Show. I'm Stephanie Dozier, clinical nutritionist and emotional eating expert, creator of the Going to Beyond the Food Method, and founder of the Going to Beyond the Food Academy. Corporate executive turned health expert with my own journey with weight, body image, and food. It's now my mission to help smart, successful women like you live confidently right now and unconditionally. Ready, sister? Let's do this. Hello, sisters. Welcome back. Stephanie Dozier here, clinical nutritionist. And wow, what a whirlwind since the episode 190. If you haven't yet listened to this and you jump right to this one, I would highly recommend you go back. 190 was all about weight gain, my journey through weight gain, and the fact that I'm freaking okay with it. And I'm not going to reveal everything we talked about, but enough to say that I've received a ton of messages. So remember, if you're listening to this live, I'm going to do part two of Gain Weight and I'm Okay podcast. So you can use the show note here, stephaniedoze.com slash 191. Drop your question, either in an audio format or email us. Or reach out to me on either Instagram or Facebook and drop your question because this podcast will need part two because that is something that all of my followers are dealing with. And in part, that's going to link to today's episode. Today, we're going to talk about the fact that, yes, we can be self-confident at any size. I kind of touched about that in 190, but Cara today is going to deep dive into how to get there. And guess what? It has nothing to do with your weight on the scale. Your confidence stems from the six inches between your two ears, your brain, your mind, your thoughts. Everything starts from there. And that's why that's the fundamental of all our program. So if you want perhaps to learn intuitive eating and you haven't done any thought work, you're going to struggle. That's why we teach a structured framework within our program, which includes what Carl's going to talk about today, the thought work, how your minds function, because your minds create your emotion, aka I don't feel confident, it all comes from your mind. So you can lose weight, which I've done, and I shared the result, didn't feel any more confident. So the framework around what Kara is going to touch today upon can apply to nearly everything in your life, everything. And especially if it's around what we teach here, which is intuitive eating and body acceptance, what she teach and what we teach goes hand in hand, which by the way, have you grabbed your intuitive eating guide? If you haven't, that's our free resource to get you started with intuitive eating. It's in the show notes. So scroll down on your app, you're listening to the podcast, and then click the link. And you can also go to stephaniedoze.com slash intuitive eating guide. Now back to Kara. Kara is a master confidence certified coach, 
and has a BA from Yale and a GD from Harvard Law. In the last three years, she's pivoted from a legal career into life coaching. And that's what she's going to teach us about today. And how I came across her, it's actually because I'm listening to her podcast. Her podcast is titled Unfuck Your Brain. And yes, if you have little kids, this is an E-rated episode. So perhaps put on your earbuds or your uh, make sure the kids are not around because we're going to use the F word a couple times. Not offensively, but just enough to say if you have a little one and they're sensitive to that language, it's perhaps not a good thing to listen to this live. But that's the name of Kara's podcast. It's literally unfucking your brain. And it's funny because it's what we do, right? We unfuck people's brain when it comes to food and body image. So today in the episode, we're going to talk about our how patriarchy and socialization thoughts impact our self-confidence, how to begin your journey into taught work, the concept of massive action and massive thinking, and also a tool that Kara has, which is a self-confidence challenge. You're ready, sisters, to learn everything about self-confidence? Let's do this. Welcome to the show, Kara. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm very excited to have you in to this podcast because I believe you're going to help many of our listeners. And I like to start with a fun fact all the time. And I've been listening to your podcast now for two months. And there's something that like trips me every time. You start your podcast with saying, hello, chickens. <laughs> yes. For those who listen to the podcast, <laughs> where does that come from? <laughs> yeah. You know, I wish there was a better story. But honestly, my teacher's podcast, she always starts off by saying, hello, my friends. And I'd heard that so many times that it was sort of burned into my brain. And then when I started doing my podcast, and I was like, so afraid that that was going to come out of my mouth, <laughs> that I sort of started, say I started saying like, hello, my and I was like, don't say friends, don't say friends. And so then instead, I said chickens. And then and it just kind of stuck. And now it's worked out beautifully. They all identify as chickens. And I have an online coaching community that we call The Clutch because a clutch is a group of chickens. So it just all kind of went from there. But yeah, it was not really intentional. It just kind of happened. Well, it's a beautiful story. And it's just proved that intuition is right, right? Whatever comes out, you just go with yeah. the flow. <laughs> totally. Or as I would say, kind of like you can decide it was the best decision and just go with that. Exactly. <laughs> So we're going to go into the topic of self-confidence, and I want to give you, Kara, and the listener who haven't been on track with the podcast episode, we recently had someone on the podcast called Jess Baker from The Militant. Baker, do you know her? Yes. Yeah, I know. Yeah, not personally, but I know of her work for sure. Exactly. So she gave us kind of a, a lecture on the history of body image and how patriarchy and, and society has changed the way women relate with their body. But we left it at that. And I want you to pick it up from there because it's good to understand the background and the history of where we are with our body image and why we have so much expectation. But from there, how do we get a better level of confidence with assuming our body. And I want to say to, to the listener, we're both, me and Kara, both in bigger body, fat body, whatever you want to call it is irrelevant, mm -hmm. but we're both living it every day. But I want to get your perspective on how you help your client with that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a big question. That's the million dollar question. 
But I think that I would say it's sort of two, there's two main parts to it. One of which is, so I'm um, in some ways a mindset coach. I work a lot on people's thoughts. So the premise of my work is that your feelings of insecurity or inadequacy or whatever it is are caused by your thoughts about yourself. And so that's really where I focus. And then I think that what I teach that a lot of people don't teach and what I find is so important when you're dealing with really ingrained thought patterns like body image, food and eating thought patterns is that I teach what I call neutral or baby step thoughts. So it's not trying to go from thinking I'm disgusting to a hundred times a day to thinking I'm a beautiful goddess by the next day, right? It's not kind of that form of positive thinking, which doesn't really work for most people. What I teach is really using very simple, neutral thoughts, like practicing thinking that's a human stomach or this is my face or something really, really basic that you can believe that sort of displaces that negative thought, but isn't kind of doesn't ring false to you like an overly positive thought. And then you can work your way up from there. But for body image and food and eating work, particularly those thought patterns are so ingrained that I think it takes some time of a lot of repetition of a baby step thought. And but that is how you move the needle over time. I totally agree with you. I teach what we call body neutrality. Mm-hmm. Because I, I believe for most of us who've had a history of shaming our body, moving to body positivity is is too far. Mm-hmm. And it actually leads us to failure. So I really love that concept of neutral thoughts. You talk in your work about socialization thoughts and how it's not our thoughts. We think that our thoughts in regards to our body are ours, where in fact they belong to the society we live in. Can you expand a little bit on that? Yeah. I mean, I do think there are thoughts, but I think the distinction is that we think that if we think something, it's because it's true. Yeah. Right. So we just are like, oh, well, why would I have a thought if it wasn't true? And we don't even think about that. We just automatically assume like we will report to someone else our thoughts as if we knew them to be verifiably true. And we just believe they are. But they're not most of the time. (laughs) They're actually often untrue or like irrelevant or baseless or made up or whatever else. And so what I teach is that part of what's so insidious about kind of cultural social conditioning is that we get taught these messages, these thoughts are kind of implanted in our brains. And then when we think them later on, they don't come up like tagged, like this thought came from Glamour magazine, right? Mm -hmm. They come up as if they're our own thoughts and then we believe that they're true. And so learning to become aware of our own thinking and learning to observe it and not just believe it is the kind of first basic thing you can do to start to get a little bit of distance from your self-critical thoughts. Absolutely. How do we build that gap or that distance? Because the thoughts are, and I know for me, I'm into my seventh year of working on my relationship to my body and the thoughts are less frequent, but they still happen, right? They still come up. How do we build that distance or that gap? I don't ever tell somebody that the goal is that you're never going to have negative thoughts anymore. Like you're going to be a human. So the human experience is like my teacher always says, like, it's 50, 50. I think we could get to 70, 30, but probably not better than that. (laughs) (laughs) It's right. We're going to have negative emotion and not just once in a long while. (laughs) Like we're going to have negative and positive emotion, negative and positive thoughts, just part of being a human. But I do think the frequency of certain 
definitely like the thoughts change over time, the frequency of certain thoughts. And really what's important I think is like the emotional intensity of changes. So when I started doing this work probably five or six years ago, I had constant thoughts about my body and how, you know, it was wrong all day long and they felt horrible. Right. And now I probably have a thought like that occasionally. And even when I have one, it doesn't feel as bad because I don't believe it as strongly and because I know how to recognize it. But so the way to build awareness, I mean, concretely, what I really recommend is a practice called thought work, which is what I teach. I teach it on, you know, my podcast, which is called the unfuck your brain podcast. And then I teach it in the clutch, which is my online coaching community. It's like a way of accessing your thoughts and then working on changing them bit by bit. But the real basics are like, write them down right? Don't Mm -hmm. just try to observe your thoughts in your own head because you just like keep having them swirl all around basically, right? It doesn't really get you anywhere. You got to write them down so you can really see them as like optional sentences. And then you work on changing them little bit by little bit. It's a practice just like, you know, going for a walk every day or brushing your teeth every day or whatever else. Absolutely. And you have a tool to do that. It's your self-confidence guide, I think. We have the link in the show note here. The guys, the listener can go get that. But that's what you do in that guide. Am I correct? Yes. We, well, I have a five-day self-confidence, creating confidence challenge. Perfect. Yeah. Which I think is probably what we'll have the link to. And that gives you five kind of easy, you know, brain hacks. Sounds like a bro thing to say. <laughs> but gives you kind of five short practice each day to help switch your brain. I mean, so much of what's going on is just that because we unconsciously believe our own thoughts, we're always looking for evidence for them. And it's just so powerful to even just to ask your brain to look for evidence of something else, right? It's like, if you think I'm unattractive, even just asking your brain to look for evidence that people are attracted to you, you have to get past the initial, your brain will always be like, no, I don't know. I can't. It's too hard. Like that's just what brains do. They act like a turtle on its back. Like they just can't do anything. But as long as you learn to not take that and to be like, we're just going to try, mm-hmm. let's just try it, brain. <laughs> and you tell it to look for like, how can I find some evidence that I am attractive? How can I find some evidence that my body does want to help me, right? How can I find some evidence that I'm worthwhile? Whatever it is, your brain is like, describe it, it's like a German shepherd puppy that needs to be trained. If you like leave it alone in your house with no training, it will destroy the house. But if you give it something to do, it wants to kind of work and be trained, but it like needs to be told what to do. Amen to that. (laughs) And so many of us come to my world being completely a victim of what goes on in our brain. Totally. Our entire life is us being a victim of it. And I teach mindfulness in my program. And part of the activity is to start observing your thoughts, right? So you don't react to them. Mm -hmm. And it's the most difficult step for women. Totally. To actually take a look at your inventory in your head, all the thoughts and realize that you have an option to say, well, they're not true. We can program our brain with something else. Yeah, totally. And uh, you know, for me, there's obviously lots of different ways of doing mindfulness work. Sure. I tried meditating before I found thought work and it just was like, so painful and so slow for me. I'm actually much better at meditating now, but I really recommend in addition to mindfulness, adding a practice of writing out your th- writing, like thought downloading, writing your thoughts down on paper and then doing some active work on them. Because I just think you get payoff much more quickly and it 
honestly, you're just giving your brain a little burst of dopamine that like something worked and you felt a little bit better. So you're teaching your brain that it's worth doing this thing. So something I think just come up to my mind right now, what is your story? How did you came to do this work? Yeah. So I was, I mean, I've always been interested in psychology and self-help and I had, you know, worked with therapists and coaches. I almost majored in psychology in college and then I didn't, but um, I actually was a lawyer so I would say I've always been a professional feminist. That part's been the same. Yes. So I was a reproductive rights litigator. Well, I mean, I clerked for a federal judge. I was a reproductive rights litigator. I had a very like kind of fancy, prestigious professional career, and I was a complete lunatic the whole time in my own head. Like, I just you know felt crazy all the time, and. I don't know that I would have, I just thought that was how life I had to feel. I just felt so emotionally volatile and self-critical and anxious. And I just thought that was like what being a human felt like, at least for me. (laughs) And I, you know, like went after all the brass rings, hoping that would make me feel better. And of course it never did. And I lost weight, hoping that would make me feel better and got the boyfriend. You know, I like did all the things you do. None of them worked. And then I became an academic, but I was a legal academic still. And I found this kind of work. Actually, hilariously, it was like the last thing I ever did before I discovered body positivity. Of course, I was always trying to lose weight. And my teacher, actually, a large part of her business is actually weight loss coaching, which is just to me a testament to like coaching work that we still love each other, even though we totally disagree about that. (laughs) But I like, that's how I found her. It was like the last thing I tried to do to lose weight was this weight loss program that she and another coach were doing. And at the same time, I was discovering body positivity. And so I was like, oh, well, weight loss is bullshit. But this thought shit you're doing. That makes sense. (laughs) Is amazing. Yeah. Is like, wow. And actually, if I, if I like co-opt this and use it for body positivity purposes, it's so powerful. So that's kind of how I found this work. And then I just applied it to every area of my own life, not because I thought I was going to become a coach. I just like wanted to be, you know, happier and not feel so crazy all the time. And it was just like a duck to water. I mean, it was hard and challenging, but I really worked on it and it changed my life. And what I, it's funny because my clients will be like, I've been practicing this off for two days and it's not all fixed yet. (laughs) I know. (laughs) High achiever type A, right? Yeah. But I like, for me, I really significantly changed a lot of areas in my life and how they felt in a year, basically doing the work on my own. I was like, well, that's a pretty damn good return rate. And so I realized that like, I really, I was on the path to become a law professor. So I've always wanted to like teach and inspire. And I was like a lefty law professor. So I always had felt like I like wanted to teach subversive ways of thinking kind of. (laughs) So there are a lot of ways that being a coach actually lined up with that. But that's how I got here, really. I did, and that's why I think I'm so, I'm such a proponent of this work. It's why my business has been so successful. It's why, like, I had no background in selling, but I can sell this work because I believe in it so much because I did it myself. Yes, and because like I have such a lawyer brain, I work with a lot of high achieving, very analytical, super smart clients. It's like lawyers and doctors and academics and tech. You know, it's like that's who's in my program, my small group coaching program, and. I'm just like, bring it. Like I have gone through every objection you could possibly have to this work. Like I've attacked it a million, right? A million different ways. Like there's no argument I haven't thought of. And I know it works because I've done it on myself. And I think that's where like my conviction comes from. I think that's a beautiful story. And that's what makes you so great at connecting the dot is because you've been through the process. 
Yeah, I'm my own best teacher and student. Yeah, an experiment. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. And I think it's funny because sometimes I'll see other coaches, like in my school where I was certified, we have a big Slack group, and I see people constantly posting like all the different books they're reading. And then my brain starts to be like, you should read more books, right? I know. (laughs) Right. But then I'm like, wait, but I have so many more clients. Why is that? Oh, right. It's because like, I'm not just reading and consuming. I'm actually trying to do the work myself on myself. And that is like what I'm doing instead of reading another book about somebody else's theory. And that's going to bring me to a very important question. And I think you've expressed it to your own story. You have to do the work. Oh my God, there's no magic pill. Bingo. Can you expand? Like there's no, when we're talking about any type of work, but we'll restrain ourselves to our mind. It's not a a switch that you flitch on and, and everything becomes beautiful. No. And in fact, like you have to earn that switch. So like now I think part of what happens is my clients or like other coaches, they see that like now I can coach myself or get coached on something. And once I see where I was stuck and see the new thought, it does kind of magically change. But like I earned that, right? It's like being yo-yo ma, like Mm -hmm. sit down and be able to play anything by sight amazingly, right? You earn that through practicing. And so I think with thinking, especially what I see a lot happen with my clients that where they're confused is they're like, oh, well, I've tried thinking new thoughts before and they didn't work. And I'm like, no, you didn't work, right? You didn't practice them. You just thought, oh, I said a new thought to myself and that didn't make my old thought disappear magically and the new thought be the perfect new thought forever. You would never do that physically. You wouldn't be like, well, I went to one belly dance class and I don't understand why I can't win the world championships now. I know. (laughs) Right? You have to do the work. The whole reason we're afraid to do the work is that we're so mean to ourselves. I think if you take being mean to yourself off the table and you're not going to be mean to yourself about your attempts to be aware or your attempts to do thought work, right? One of the things I tell my clients, I'm sure it's the same with your clients, is like pay attention to your thoughts about doing the work or about doing the program, right? Like about being in the clutch and participating in these conversations. All your thoughts about that are just your thoughts about everything. Yes. And let me say it another way. How you relate to yourself is how you relate to life. Totally. Yeah. And how you relate to me is how you relate to any authority figure, right? It's all the same shit. And I think, and and I'd like to have your opinion on that, and we'll come back to patriarchy with that part of the the whole diet culture and the way women are taught to engage with body and their weight makes it all about external, makes it all about focusing on to-do list and physical aspect. And we are never taught or trained to go within. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's like the combination of patriarchy and capitalism, right? That kind of like productivity fixation. It's just another way of, you know, Brene Brown calls it hustling for your worth. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what that productivity insanity is about. It's just like another way of hustling for your worth, thinking if I do enough external things, I'll finally feel differently on the inside. And we know that confidence has nothing to do with the way we look. We both lived it, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, I've lost more weight and I've been a size eight and felt worse about my body than I do now. Of course. Yeah. It's all between our two ears. Totally. And we, I, I like to say we're almost born. We're born with being confident as, as little ones. And somewhere along the way, we lose it. Yeah. And I mean, I think most, I mean, that's what's so crazy, right? Is most people have... In the past, often they've had the thing they think they want that would make them feel confident. And they didn't like a lot of us have been thinner and we didn't feel confident then, but now we're still convinced that being thin would solve the problem. Why is that? 
I just think it's that it's like that's how powerful our beliefs are, right? So it's like if we believe that being thin is the answer and we get thin and it doesn't work, we're like, all right, I guess I got to like gain weight and then maybe try again. <laughs> so we just like are like to keep trying, I have to like do that thing again because the belief is so powerful that it screens out the evidence, the contrary. That's why you can't go through life being like, well, my thought is that I'm not attractive and that I don't have any evidence to the contrary. Like, of course you don't. You only see evidence of what you already believe. That's why it's so powerful to switch your thought to like looking for evidence that you are attractive, looking for evidence that your body is doing good things for you. Like whatever you looking for evidence that you can trust yourself around food or that you do know when you're hungry or full, like whatever belief you want to have, you have to go look for that evidence on purpose. Otherwise your brain is just, and it's not just food, right? I have people in my program who thought if they got married, they'd be happy and then they get married and then they're not happy. So then they get divorced and then they just are repeating the whole process. Right? They're like, well, if this boyfriend was different, then I'd be happy. You're like, no, <laughs> it's not the boyfriend. And so our belief, if I fake it from um, our belief fuels our thoughts. I think a belief is a thought, but I ah. think what a belief does is it, it's sort of, yes. I mean, yeah. In the sense that like a belief almost acts like a filter on what we see. So in the world of spirituality, we call that manifestation. Yeah. Right? We, quote, manifest, we see, we create the evidence to what we believe. It's the same thing what you're talking about right now, right? Because of our belief, we create what we are seeing only what we think about. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm not personally a big manifesting person. I mean, it sort of depends on how you're talking about it. I think that what I teach with thought work is that your thoughts create your feelings, which create the actions that you take, which create your results. Yes. Right. And so in that sense, yes, I think sometimes what people call manifesting is that process, <laughs> but I don't believe, I mean, there are some people who I think when they talk about manifesting, what they mean is like the universe conspires to bring you what you want. I, like to me, that's not how I think about it. Yeah. The unicorn and the woo woo stuff, right? Yeah. I'm not, I don't think there's like any intention now, like that the universe has some kind of consciousness that it's like trying to do something for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's not how I think about that. But yes, I do think that like when manifesting quote unquote works to me, it's because it's just a shorthand for the process of taking certain actions that create a result because of the way you've decided to think and feel. Absolutely. I want to make sure we touch on something else before we leave this interview, which I think is phenomenal, by the way, massive thinking yes. is something I heard you talk about. And I want you to explain what massive thinking is, but that to get us out of a bad moment or a bad situation. Can you expand on that? Yeah. In order to talk about massive thinking, I have to talk about massive action too, which is another tool. They go together. So massive action means taking action until you get the result you want, no matter what. And that might be external. So it could be like, I'm going to make a certain amount of revenue in my coaching business, no matter what. I'm going to get married or get divorced or whatever, right? I'm going to create some external goal. I'm going to learn to run a marathon or whatever. And it means taking action until you get the goal, no matter what. And so massive action is really powerful because it sort of is a shortcut around. Usually what we do is we set a goal and then we immediately start negotiating with ourselves. Yes. Right. And we're like, well, I sort of tried. Do I really have to do the goal? What if I like kind of half tried, but then it doesn't work? When can I give up? Right. Like I once had a client be like, here's my plan. She was um, a professor and she wanted to make some extra money. She's an artist. And she was like, okay, here's my plan. And then she was like, so my question is, how do I know when to give up? 
<laughs> well, we start well. Yeah, I was like, let's start with that thought, right? <laughs> but like that, but what I love about it is she's just saying out loud what a lot of us think unconsciously when we set a goal. Yes. Which is like, we don't really believe it, right? So that's what massive action is. Massive thinking one of the things I started to see with my clients and myself is of course, because we're like type A doers, right? We're like, great. I love massive action. But then we're taking all this action and we haven't gotten our thoughts in the right place. So it's like manifesting doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Like if your belief is nobody will ever love me, you can go on 150 first dates. You're not going to find a partner, right? Because that thought is going to block you and it's going to impact how you show up, how you interpret what happens. You're never going to be able to get there that way. So we have to pay as much attention to our thinking as to our actions and massive thinking to me means really committing to practicing your thoughts that you want to believe until they are just your authentic thoughts and sort of, I mean, they're always authentic, but until they kind of replicate themselves naturally, right. Until they like become your default thoughts. And so that's it. Massive thinking is like the opposite of just being like, well, I read that affirmation once and it didn't change everything. So I stopped. Yeah, no. Right. It's like, I'm going to commit to believing this and I'm going to work on that the same way I would work on making a certain amount of money or finding a partner or running a marathon or renovating my house or whatever else it is. Like I wouldn't stop until it was done. Not going to stop working on believing this until I believe it. And you know what's for the group of women that I work with, right? Body image and food and all of that. What's most fascinating, and I did that for years too, we were able to take massive action and massive thinking in the context of dieting. Yeah, totally. We did it and we cut out the food and counted and all of that stuff. Right. And when we get to like realizing it's not about the food, we need to go beyond the food and start thinking minds and emotion. We are having a difficulty replicating this massive action and massive thinking in the context of our mindset. Do you see the same thing? Yeah, because we're not used to doing it on purpose, right? So we're only used to doing it unconsciously. Like we didn't ever set out to decide to believe in dieting. We just grew up believing in it because we were told to think that and we were we practiced that thought so much unconsciously. So to me, it's like we got to learn how to do that consciously. Hmm. Very interesting. So can you talk a little bit about the clutch? Because I think that could be of interest to some of our listeners and how that can help them with changing their relationship to confidence in their body. Yeah, totally. So the clutch in the past, the only way to work with me has been this program called Unfuck Your Brain, which is a very kind of small group, high-end intensive coaching program. I'm actually retiring that this year because number one, it's really important to me to reach more people. But number two, I am, have been a professional feminist for a long time. And although I wasn't around in the set for the seventies, like consciousness raising circles, I do think that women supporting each other in community is really part of what feminism is about, right? Liberating each other. And so what I've created instead as a way for women to do that is the clutch, which is not just a name for a group of chickens. It's also, <laughs> it's also urban slang for like urban dictionary slang for what you need exactly when you need it. And plus a clutch is like a small purse that carries just a few essentials. So it's kind of perfect. Actually, one of my, one of the people in there today was like, what about driving? Like you use the clutch in different gears and driving. And I was like, this metaphor is getting out of hand. It's like the chicken Um, story, right? (laughs) Yeah. Now the chickens are driving a car, but it's basically, it's an online coaching community where I teach you how to coach yourself, but also 
everyone in there is helping each other and working on coaching each other. Because what I see happens, people listen to the podcast, which is called Unfuck Your Brain, and they start to get really into it. It's really liberating and powerful for them. And then, you know, it's like they try talking to their friends about it and their friends are like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Like, stop talking about, like my, I saw my Rolfer the other day and she was like, I finally listened to your podcast and I love it. And now I don't have any friends since your fault. (laughs) Because I won't stop talking about it to all my friends. So I wanted to create a community where women could help each other out with thought work, help each other out with coaching, and sort of was always there. Like whatever you're dealing with, you can always go post and get support and help. And obviously confidence is for me, you know, I call myself a confidence coach because I think it's at the root of all of this stuff, Mm -hmm. right? Like negotiating your worth, loving your body, stopping dieting, finding movement you can enjoy, how you show up in your romantic relationships, how you show up in your parenting if you parent, like whatever it is, it all comes from believing that you are good enough, right? Mm -hmm. And that you're great. And so that's the kind of work that we do there. And it's in this kind of community. There's coaches in there, of course, and I'm in there, but you also learn how to support yourself and each other because I've always felt like, you know, I want to teach, it's that whole like teach a man to fish, right? <laughs> like teach a woman to coach herself. I don't want to coach you forever. I want you to be able to coach yourself. And then you're going to be able to go out and spread that. And that's how our liberation spreads. I think it's brilliant because I have the same model where it's a lifetime because this type of work is not something you do one day and never have to go back. Like it's not a fixing pill situation. It's something that comes back up. And yes, the world doesn't think like we do. Totally. Yeah. We're surrounded by messages to the contrary. So we need to surround ourselves with the messages that we want to hear and with people who are doing the same kind of work. Until it becomes something that everyone does. Exactly. Once we've taken over the world, then I will disband the clutch. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, it was a pleasure having you on the podcast. And I think you sold me on the clutch for myself. Awesome. Well, we can put the link in your show notes. Absolutely. It's just unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. Absolutely. Thank you very much. And and have yourself a great clutch. (laughs) Thank you. I will. So there you have it, ladies. What did you learn from this? Now, let's put this into practice. Go and download Kara's Self-Confidence Challenge. You will find the link at stephaniedode.com slash 191 or in your podcast listening app right now and start writing about those critical thoughts that you have about your body and follow the framework from what Kara has in her handout. So put what you've learned today into action. So we have a great episode coming up on 192. It's going to be part two of the I've gained weight and I'm okay with it. With all your question that you submitted at the time of recording this and listening to this, you have still time to submit some of your questions. So by all means, email us or reach out to us. And we're going to continue to dive into the concept of weight gain and how to handle it. I love you, sister. And I'm looking forward to hang out with you on the next episode. 